Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another edition of Star Sound Speaks. This is your host, Irliana Samsara, Star Sound Astrology, episode 161. And I'm so excited because we have Ari Moshi Wolf joining us, evolutionary astrologer um, from the state of Washington. Is that no, no, right? California. California. Oh, oh, California. Okay. Yeah, I knew it was the like West. In Washington, but California now. Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, so thank you so much, Ari. I've can't wait for this conversation because uh, I have to say, you know, as many of you know, um, you know, I, I made a switch to Hellenistic astrology, but my roots are really so much in evolutionary astrology. It's like where I first really went into that incredible deep dive well that astrology is. And so what I thought we would do, Ari's got some really great information to share about an upcoming transit and it, from the perspective of evolutionary astrology. So First, we're going to, for those of you who are very new to the channel and, and just kind of, you know, delving deeper into astrology, um, if you could tell us, Ari, you know, well, a little bit about yourself, how you discovered astrology, and then what is evolutionary astrology and, and uh, all that good stuff. So take it away. Sure. Well, thank you for having me, Irliana. Hello, everyone. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, I live in California with my family. My training is in the paradigm of evolutionary astrology as taught by Jeffrey Wolf Green. And in short, my journey there started um, in my very early 20s. I was um, amassing a lot of astrology books. I took like a little course with Antero Ali. I don't know if you've heard of Antero. Mm -hmm. he, he's a great, great teacher. Um, and there was a, you know, well before Facebook or any of those, there's a a website called tribe.net uh, and there's like a little like astrology discussion group. I was just absorbing it all sure. and um, got to a point where th there is some dissonance and almost a threshold that I couldn't quite cross where I knew from my own blossoming spiritual journey that I was not, I couldn't define myself by these characteristics, these um, descriptive terms that I would read in the astrology books or hear everyone speak about. I knew there was truth to astrology. There's like my, my direct experience and, and my perception of it was undeniable. And yet I, I, I was very frustrated. Um, maybe the word is skeptical that anyone really understood it almost like it's like this big thing. And I saw a lot of people talking about it in very definitive ways because it's you know it's here and you can just draw upon it but there's a part of me that knew there was something deeper and i i felt somewhat limited and um there was an in, a feeling of inauthenticity in my relationship to astrology because i wasn't it wasn't meeting this deeper spiritual blossoming within me that i knew was really of essence in who i am as a soul who i am as an eternal being beyond the manifestation of this body. It's like one of the questions that I've kind of held is, you know, who, who am I or why is it that I have this chart? Just like, why do I have this body? And that wasn't being addressed. So I remember one conversation. My friend asked me what my rising sign and what my moon sign and sun sign was. And I, I remember feeling very uninterested in that conversation. I'm like, oh, Virgo rising, Scorpio moon, Sag sun. But like, what does it mean? Like what, like, what is it? What does it, you know what I'm saying? Like, sure. It, it's this thing on the journey where it's very easy for us to 
point to the like the content of our lives and like the things happening in this world and to not adequately step back and ask ourselves but who am i you know like yes i want this much money and i like these things and this is what i'm doing and these are the this is the relationship that i'm looking for and right? like who who are you and what is this life there's there was like a discontent because all of this conversation about personality and characteristics felt um, almost meaningless to me at that time. Um, that particular friend introduced me to two books, Adam Gainsburg, mm. who wrote a book at that time, Sacred Marriage Astrology, before he, he changed his, his work to Soul Sign Astrology. Right. Um, I found deep resonance and familiarity in the, the way Adam spoke. And he was bringing in the soul. And Adam studied the teachings of Jeffrey Wolf Green, sure. which was the other book that I was introduced to. So I looked at Jeffrey Wolf Green's, you know, most popular book, Pluto: The Evolutionary Journey of the Soul. Yeah, I have that one. I and love I that one. Reading the first, you know, paragraph of the introduction, and I was almost angry. <laughs> a very interesting sensation. It was it was so resonant and familiar to me. So why were you angry? Just I felt like I should have written it. Oh, <laughs> it's interesting. I mean, I it was it was pointed to some, you know, know it all. I should already know the answer, or or almost like it was so it was so. It's more than it's more than that. It was more than I should have pointing to something that was so intuitive and known within me that I almost felt an I felt an inadequacy in the face of it. Um, because it was so intuitive and I think it, my sense is it brought up where, um, like direct understanding that I knew was inside and it was, it was already realized and articulated here. Mm. It's probably more complex than that, but obviously I took a deep draw. There was a deep soul resonance, you know, things that we find a deep soul resonance with, we're either going to feel intense love or intense hate and often a combination of the two at different times. Um, that which is deeply relevant to our soul path is going to elicit the most profound feelings. And that's, that's really what the soul journey is about, right? We, we, we're, we're drawn, we feel things, we uncover facets of ourselves that we haven't unlocked and mm. our, our soul intelligence, our being is drawn to just to, to explain there's something there. That's the edge of where we have not yet realized ourselves. That's where there is growth at, and we can't avoid it. We can avoid it, but there's an immense amount of resistance and suffering and discomfort Pain. that comes with that. Yeah. So it was, it was destiny. Um, and I have allergies. So there's a lot of back trips. I'm going to be taking a lot of moments to just, Oh, no problem. Clear that. <clears throat> so that's, that's what got me started on that path. Um, many years of studying it and then the the evolutionary astrology message board school of evolutionary astrology.com where a lot of people who study with jeff green were there and just for many years i studied and practiced and got really involved and led practice groups with other students and in 2011 i wrote a beginner's guide to evolutionary astrology written for anyone who's new to evolutionary or even just astrology Nice. And um, is that still available? It is actually it's it's off my website for a moment because it's going through a, an editing. Um, New edition. 
it, people are still buying it. There's, there's a link. I think there are links out there somewhere, but um, stay tuned. This month, it's going to be back up. Um, but beyond that, I began teaching my own training program, um, full year training program last year. And there, at this point, there are a lot of, um, you know, wonderful free and paid uh, classes, lectures, teaching series, workshops and courses on my website. And really a part of what my calling is with this work is translating it in a way that it's accessible. To me, astrology has no meaning, just like nothing really has any inherent meaning on its own other than how it can be used in service to our own awakening. And so for me, um, well teaching said. and sharing this knowledge and specifically making it as translatable and accessible as possible so that it's useful, it's really helpful for us in our remembering. And that's what I love about evolutionary astrology to come back to your question. Um, the essence of this work is looking at the needle chart from the point of view of the soul's ongoing journey of awakening. Thinking of ourselves from the point of view of we're not this body, this personality, all the specific time-based temporal facets of our life. We are an infinitely powerful being manifesting this human experience as a vehicle for our ongoing learning and realization. It's a very direct, um, no BS kind of practice in the sense that it says everything in your life is relevant to your own growth. It offers that perspective. And so working with the chart in correlation with everything that's happening, like a person's life, the world they came into, the family they came into, the specific circumstances, the, the stresses, the tensions, the pains that we all do go through, uh, evolutionary astrology is um, a frame of looking at the chart that gives an evolutionary perspective and ultimately says from the point of view of ongoing awakening, how is this pointing back to the edge of your own soul growth, the, the edge of your own ongoing realization. And so it's a beautiful path that for me is a, a way of deepening compassion and appreciation that there's relevance here, there's meaning, there's purpose in this life, mm. although it's not difficult. It's not easy all the time. It's not easy, right? Um, and we have to just appreciate that. And getting to share that, I feel sort of brings us into this place of like, here we are together. Um, there's no one that's exempt from, you know, needing to really look at ourselves, really needing to to face the places that are unconscious that hasn't hasn't been brought into light. Mm -hmm. Yet this is what we're all doing, or this is at least what we are here with the opportunity to do. So that's the essence of the EA work. And in my teaching and my practice, of course, I, I really, I bring it together with just where my own spirituality is. So I like to say that my, my teaching, its roots are in the EA lineage. And mm -hmm. I really do consider Jeffrey Wolf Green and the, the work he brought forward to come from a very high level of realization. Um, it's it's a spiritual practice as much as it is a theological yeah, yeah. modality. I really respect his teachings and there are certain teachers where you, you can recognize, okay, there's a, there's, there's a level of integrity and truth that you can feel in it, that I can feel in it. Um, yeah. I remember watching um, on, um, I, I, you can go on YouTube and, you know, see clips of Jeffrey Wolf Green. Of course, you know, he's no longer on the planet. Um, no, he's but, alive. Yeah, he's, he's, he is alive. Yeah, even, even though he may not be in a physical body, he's still... He's in a, well, he's just, he's, a, he's in secluded retirement, as far as I know. Oh, I thought he passed on. I don't, well, maybe he did. 
I don't think he did, but he's he's been he's been on. My understanding is just secluded retirement for 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 several years. Maybe okay. he has passed on, but yeah. Because um, because then he um, but just to watch these little clips of him, and they were old grainy clips from like the nineteen or like maybe late eighties, early nineties, and yeah. One of them, I remember, was he was in okay. Sedona, and it's like, oh my God, he was in. I know that hotel room. He was in, I used to be there, and and but just to listen to him, it was really like being with a complete a spiritual master, and he happens to be an astrologer as well. So you just sit there and listen to him. It was like giving darshan. It was just amazing. Yeah, yeah. You know, and I, I, really I would man. say it's important with 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 all teachers to recognize they're not. He's not fully awake. And I always like to say because there are, there's always a need in spiritual practice to have discernment, and to me the the paradigm of evolutionary astrology is so important, so powerful, and I really advise people to look at the teachings, and to take everything in and discern it for themselves. Right. You know? um, people are, are are thrown off by the the chain smoking. <laughs> Yeah. vulgarness you know which is what was happening at that time in the 90s for him. and i just yeah it's but that's him that's to, authenticity you know it's like here it is i got a cigarette and i'm gonna tell you yeah i, I mean, just love that people are, are really drawn to the honesty of it too yeah yeah so that, there's no perfection in human personalities and i think that's the point that i'm making some people try to make it perfect or we're drawn to human personalities or or repelled by human personalities and I always want to just say, let that just be what it is. Focus on the teachings. Sure. Or let, let go of your idea of perfection. It's like, that yeah. is perfection. Chain smoking and Evan said on one of and that clip, I remember somebody asked him some long drawn out question and, and he, he was, and the guy kept hammering away. And finally, Jeffrey said, you know, where are we going with this? <laughs> he was just so right. And I never forgot that. It's refreshing. So anyway. Yeah, very honest. That's so, something yeah. I deeply love about him. Yeah. And it's like, hey, you know, that, that to me is hugely valuable. So yeah. so anyway, um, all right. So then um, it's evolutionary astrology. Um, how and the nodes of the moon are very, very strongly um, a, a fundamental part of evolutionary astrology. So, if you could explain for us, you know, what are the nodes of the moon, and then how do you work with them, and what's going on with this upcoming Uranus will be conjuncting the North Node, which is obviously currently in in Taurus right now. So, great. <clears throat> so, we can think of the nodes of the moon in general as think of them as portals. So every soul comes into this life in a new body, new family, right? But from the point of view of the soul's ongoing journey, it didn't start from nowhere. This is not the beginning. And the death of the human life is not the ending. So the, the nodes of the moon provide an evolutionary context that allows us to understand the continuity of the soul. Mm -hmm. That says this life, the world we've come into, has context it starts from somewhere there's a reason for the circumstances that we've created meaning if we just take the life and death of the human experience out of the picture and we just understand we're on an ongoing journey of realization the soul itself might be manifesting different cloaks different bodies at different times um but if we see the long-term sort of bird's eye view which is kind of a uranian way of seeing things just the the, the nature of the journey itself from a bird's eye view, without getting so defined by human life and time and 
the body we come into, we understand that there's an intelligence behind everything that we manifest. It's all profoundly relevant to where we're continuing to awaken. So the South Node, when we think of the, the journey happening in time, in bodies, the South Node speaks to what is the way in which the soul has come to know itself prior to now. Adam Gainsworth really beautifully described the South Node as the pattern of identity making. Mm. It's the vehicle. It's the way that we have come to know ourselves. And I say we as a soul. So Jeffrey Wolf Green describes the South Node as the, the, the vehicle. He gives a beautiful analogy as the, the, the light from a film projector. The, the lens provides a focal point for that light to be focused. Without that lens, it's diffused. The lens is a focusing agent. Think of the body and the human experience as a focusing agent, the sure. personality as a focusing agent. The personality says, this is self. This is who I am. I have a concept of self. What does a self do? The self has a perception of the world. The world that we perceive reflects who we think we are. It's, it's always there's a direct correlation between the two. Sure. And that determines what we're going to do with that world, what we think it is, what we think is valuable, what we think is meaningful, what we think is purposeful. So the South Node says you come into this life with an existing sense of self. It's who you've been. It's how you've known yourself. And it, it doesn't, we love to have that argument like nurture versus nature. And I like to say there's nothing that isn't relevant to the soul's needs. Simple as that, right? Even the nurturing imprint that the soul comes into is chosen, is purposeful, is relevant to the soul's ongoing evolutionary needs. So the South, but the South doesn't necessarily speak to the nurturing imprint. It's prior to that, before this life. And I really want to emphasize that it's before this life, before you came into this human form, what is the context of the journey that you've been living? So we can look at the South node, let's say in the needle chart first, look at it on that level mm -hmm. and say, it's, it's sort of the underlying conditioning. It's who we've known ourselves to be. And thus it's the reference point from which we're going to see everything. And in a sense, we can take the whole chart and like put it on the South node because it's the filter. It's a filter of self-identity through which we're going to understand and look at everything. The North node, it's the polarity to the South node mm -hmm. will always reflect the ongoing evolutionary development. So if, if we think of it as a polarity, it's you've known yourself here, um, that creates a duality. I am this, and thus I am not this, right? Um, right. Everything that we that we identify with inherently creates a duality, which says, "Thus I am not that." So the the duality or the op opposition of the North Node is an ongoing push within our own evolution. We can say in two ways: to not be identified with the familiar, with the known, with the secure, right? Um, and in the other way, it's to transcend the duality that's created through a fixated identity and thus to transcend opposite, to become more integrated. Ultimately, the nodal axis itself becomes an integrated whole. We're not leaving behind the South Node, but we're really learning to become integrated. There are many instances in the natal chart, um, which would be a different conversation where there is actually a lot of familiarity in the past with the, the North Node as well. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the soul has been flip-flopping between, not a very uncommon situation, right? Um, so that's the general 
meaning of the notes. In transit, it's the same thing. The transiting south node speaks to, we can think of it as the karmic dynamics from the past that's arising right now. It's emerging right now in this seemingly invisible field, but there's like a, a seemingly invisible funnel where everything that's arising now through the lens of the south node corresponds to dynamics that are ripening. So this can be fruits of the past, past actions, past lives, past relationships, whatever, that are ripening now and they're meant to be integrated or harvested. Mm -hmm. So you continue on, right? The south node can be gifts, things that are developed just as much as it can be latent patterns of attachment right. that need to be healed, either one. So if, if we're looking at ripe fruits or gifts, things that have come into fruition, we, we should play it out. You know, if you have the South Node in Scorpio right now, mm -hmm. speak to um, particular marriage bonds or relationships or inheritances, things that might come through right now that are, are perhaps fruitful, that will serve in our evolutionary growth. It can also speak to unresolved karmic dynamics that are going to be challenging and difficult that we're going to have to work through. And this is where with the south node, we can get stuck in the south node. And that's where the north node says, don't don't get stuck there. There's you have to make sure you're evolving to so the north node, in a way kind of takes us out of the stuckness. So south node in Scorpio, what can be emerging now are these entanglements, deeply fearful issues around security, trust, abandonment, betrayal, Survival. issues around money issues around core psychological emotional security mm -hmm. like these are like some of the core pieces emerging with scorpio south node the transiting north node both in needle chart and also in transit correspond to the present moment evolutionary direction it's where we can make choices to further our own evolutionary growth in the moment mm -hmm. so this thus says in the present moment there's a way of perceiving life experience there's a way of moving forward in life that serves growth and doesn't keep us stuck in the past. With the North Node in Taurus, it teaches us to cultivate a ground of stability. So Taurus corresponds to self-value, self-esteem, self um, the capacity to be grounded and stable in life. And relative to the South Node in Scorpio, the teaching is be still cultivate a ground of quiet in the midst of change or in the midst of a lot of psychic and psychological content coming up learn to stay still learn to stay present learn to stay grounded grounded ground keep connection to your garden to your body to your life to your health even um and then there are many more dimensions. The transiting North Node is just also an ongoing evolutionary. It's where a lot of growth and evolution can be happening. And Jeffrey Wolf Green really beautifully points out there's a tendency to stay in the past. Right? There's a tendency to hold on to the familiar, the known, and the secure. But there's often a lot of weight holding us into the South Node. And we have to really choose <laughs> to embrace the North Node. So where the transiting nodes are in your chart, the house it's moving through, the aspects it's making really speaks to where these evolutionary dynamics are emerging. And if you want to take it further, the planetary ruler right. of these nodes. So where's Pluto in your needle chart? Where's Venus, the rulers of Scorpio and Taurus? 
where are those planets in your chart that will further speak to these karmic dynamics that are emerging right now? Right. It will give it a really deep, very nuanced um, explanation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Beautifully said. Thank you. So where are you, um, what has gotten you so, um, we've got this transit coming up of the, and it's going to be, let me see, I can share my screen here. Um, here we are in, this is going to be when the transiting, uh, the nodes in the North node will be at 18 degrees, as we can see here, 18 degrees, 41 minutes of Taurus, and it will be exactly conjunct the planet Uranus. So, um, and then, you know, with Uranus conjunct that, and then of course we've got Mars there too. So this is gonna, this is gonna be July Eastern time. It, it'll be Sunday, July 31st, around four in the afternoon Eastern time. And then of course, August 1st for, um, the, the Eastern hemisphere, um, you know, like say Australia, you know, into, into Australia, it will happen um, on the first. So this is a really hot, intense time. What, what do you see happening here? So in terms of our evolution, our collective evolution as like collectively for the planet, what do you see? So two things to say, and this is meaningful. Thanks for pulling up the chart. This is the, the date of the exact conjunction. Right. Um, and I want to point out one, first, the nodes move backwards. So the, basically Uranus is right now at like what Uranus is like 14 degrees or mm -hmm. yeah. And the North nodes at 22. So they're, you know, North nodes moving backwards, Uranus is moving forward, they're approaching each other. Mm -hmm. Right. So we can say they're, they're, they're approaching a conjunction. And then after this particular date, they're going to separate. Uranus will move towards 19, the North Node will start moving towards 17, and so forth. I want to frame this from that perspective, because th there's a tendency for us, especially for those who are new to astrology, to be very event-focused. Like, oh, what's going to happen on that day? This is exciting. And we <coughs> thus process. take ourselves away from an appreciation that we're looking at a process, mm -hmm. really a time period. And we're in it right now. The exact conjunction is absolutely intensified, but what does it symbolize? It's the beginning of a new cycle. As these planets separate, as Uranus separates from the North Node, we're going to see that cycle really begin to unfold and clarify. Right? right now, we're approaching the beginning of a new cycle. Thus, we can say we're ending an old cycle. And so there are several correlations. What I want to speak to is really what's going on now. What does it mean when these planets come together? And then what's unfolding as they separate? To introduce that, it's necessary that I introduce the Uranus archetype and speak about what it represents. So we can understand Uranus and then we can understand what does it mean when first any planet is on the North Node? Right. And then what does it mean when Uranus is on the North node? Maybe I can start there. Sure. When a planet's on the North node, it's like a green light. Right? Anything on the North node is there. <laughs> That's relevant and deeply necessary. It's like a green light for that function relative to our collective evolution. This is where growth wants to happen. It's not necessarily easy, right? But it highlights that planetary function. Every planet corresponds to a function of our whole self part of our whole psyche in mm -hmm. some way or another, to use that term very broadly. 
and, and, and whatever that represents, this is where all the growth and development is. And so there's a great emphasis and focus on that. Sometimes with the outer planets, like Uranus, Neptune, Pluto, that could actually mean a focus on trauma. A lot of uncomfortable pieces can be emerging. So it's not necessarily a comfortable kind of dynamic always. Um, it can also be a very revelatory and um, profound and awakening time as well. Especially with Uranus, you know. Especially with like Uranus. That light bulb moment of realization you're like oh my god this is what it, this is how i can achieve freedom oh my god i didn't think didn't see that coming right and this is the thing so this let's talk about uranus because i see a lot of people speaking about uranus and almost expecting uranus to be like sudden change or sudden revelations yes it often happens but also no not always the way that I think of Uranus is Uranus corresponds to the intelligence of creation itself. Oh, I Let's, like that. Let's say that again. Uranus yeah. speaks to, to the intelligence of creation itself. Speaks to the intelligence of creation itself. Wow. I've never thought of Uranus that way. Okay, so the, keep the analogy for this could be we don't grasp the algorithm because we're in it playing it out, identified with it. It's like a video game. From the point of view of the video game programmer, all the levels are done. The design of the characters are even established. If you're in the video game, trying to have an awakening and realize the true nature of the video game, a part of what's going to happen is you're going to realize I'm not Mario, I'm not Luigi, I'm not <laughs> these characters. The, the, the program is already set. I'm just playing it out, seemingly having a time-based experience, but none of this is actually existing in time. It just seems that way because I'm playing out an experience that creates time, that manifests within time, but from the point of view of what is, it is already. It's almost impossible for us to experience the truth of that unless we're experiencing the truth of that another way to say this is this present moment has nothing to do with the past and has nothing to do with the future and let's really unpack what that means in actuality um we think of this present moment oftentimes as like like wedged between the past and the future and what we're really carrying around is a memory of the past, a perception of the past, a projection of what this present moment is and an anticipation of the future. We're projecting a story of the world in our minds. What we seldomly experience and what we seldomly witness is what actually is. We, we personalize everything through the lens of a personal story. And uh, an, another way of explaining this, if, if we pull a tarot card, we're going to see a bunch of symbology on the tarot card. And the symbology isn't real. It's symbolic. Right? You'll have the death card with a bunch of different symbols and archetypes on it. We'll reckon, oh, these are archetypes. They're not literal. Sure. But when we play out this human life, we take it very literally. You said this to me and made me feel this. Right? It's like having a dream, and we actually do this. I had some really disturbing dreams last night and it, 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 I, wake, I wake up with a disturbed feeling. But a part of my own inner practice is to create some space for it. Space. What is it? What, what does it reflect? Now, any, any dream of fear, 
even if we're awake, a dream, a projection of fear is a story. And it pertains to a way of picturing reality that isn't resonant with what reality actually is. Thus, we can say every dream of fear, every dissonant perception itself reflects where liberation is happening. What we uh. tend to do is we, we tend to get stuck or fixated on the story and it, we crystallize the stories because life will very much prove and seem to validate our story. Um, our defensiveness will feel valid in the face of being attacked. Right? It seems very obvious to us. The more we step back from our story of what's happening, the more we realize there's nothing that's hitting us. There has to be a strong story of self and thus a perception of life for anything to actually have a personal. And we, we know this is true. We all know this is true because there are many instances in life where we have no issue applying that, right? Let's say we have a child and that child is acting wild or calling us names. We're less likely to take that personally than if, you know, another adult treated us that way. We have a capacity in, in some instances to seemingly easily detach and witness and just sort of see what's unfolding and what's playing out and to be untouched in it. But then when we're when our sense of self is more involved, we have more of a righteousness around it and right. we need to control and all of this locks us into time and it, it, it help it, it keeps us from realizing that all of this are actually just impersonal energetics wanting to be liberated, wanting to be released. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like being in the dream and struggling with the symbology. So coming back to this idea that Uranus corresponds to the intelligence of creation, it's what is, and that's where astrology comes in. Astrology says everything's an archetype. Look at a wedge of the zodiac. You can look at physiology, psychology, sociology, politics, emotions, relationships. Did I say psychology, physio everything, whatever ologies, everything's <laughs> represented. Mythology. Holographic and it's fractal. Whether or not you know astrology, astrology teaches us everything is reflected in these archetypes. And, you know, I, I heard a really cool talk recently from a crypto astrologer, a person that uses astrology with cryptocurrencies. Right. And she described this in a way that I thought was beautiful. Um, if it's three o'clock, um, how did she say it? Maybe I forgot, but anyway, the, what I want to express is astrology and Jeffrey Wolf Green often said, it's not causative of reality. It's reflective of reality. Sure. Right. So you look at the clock. It just says it's three o'clock. Right. Nothing made it three o'clock. It just is. Right. Right. So you look at the planet. It says, this is what's happening. This is, and it's what, it's not happening out there. It's in there and everywhere, but if we really understand the nature of reality, there's only in there. Right. And th these are things that only we can realize. I, there I can there is no spoon, as they said in the matrix. There is, there no, is spoon. no spoon, right? <laughs> there is no spoon. Um, this is where I feel that, you know, practicing this for me as a spiritual path, it, you know, it, it's, um, if I'm really looking at it, if I'm really um, looking into who we are, it becomes an opportunity for me to get more curious about who am I? What is this really? You know, so mm -hmm. we like to talk about everything as if it's just like, um, you know, Uranus is 
shocks. Pluto is, you know, transmutation. But like, what does this mean? Like, what are we? What's really going on here? I want to wake up. I want us to see what's true mm. and not just kind of perpetuate the same stories that kind of keep us in the illusion, keep us in the dream. So when we look at the idea of shocks and surprises, it's actually only because reality is what it is. And we can say from the point of view of Uranus, the, the nature of the soul already is what it is, like our true nature our true nature, our essential self reflects the individuality of the soul as it is. This is not the personality. It's, it's who you are and who I am before, during and after the manifestation of, you know, Ari, you know, of this body, right? Of all, it, it, it's, it's what I am that actually is witnessing all of this. It's the self that's been looking through these eyes this whole life. I've even as a as a child, I would often like have this interesting experience of like sitting down and and having this moment of of remembering a moment years earlier of looking and thinking, oh, I'm the same person that was looking then. It's 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 hard to describe. Yeah, I know. Yeah. And everyone smile. I remember that. I'm like, oh yeah, that's that's who I've always been. Like that's me. That's me. And I I knew that when I was a child. I would have moments of noticing that. Right. And noticing is no different right now. And this is this is something that happens as people awaken. You know, a soul can can remember themselves. And and there's no, you know, a lot of people talk about as a constant state of awakeness. The the aware like, the soul doesn't go to sleep. Right. And that's where we can remember ourselves prior to this life and even beyond. So the continuity of the soul just is it's manifesting time, space experiences mm -hmm. for the purposes of learning. So we can say Saturn, time and space and form. It's not original reality. It exists as a constructed template for our learning in A Course in Miracle, which is a big part of my own practice. It teaches that the purpose of time is to learn how to use time purposefully. Mm. When it's no longer necessary, it will no longer exist. Wow. That's it's deep. Like when Mario realizes it's just infinite, <laughs> it, it doesn't need the video game anymore. Right, right. You can maybe seemingly play it out, but it won't. And there's there's a process in the journey where we're, where we're awakening and we're still playing it out for a time, but we're realizing it. And then eventually, I, I, as I've come to understand it, there's no longer a need or a necessity um, to manifest within form and time and space. So let's come back to then Uranus. Yes. Only a shock and a surprise because we're so darn conditioned by the Saturn dimension. We are identified with our story, with time and space and form. Our body, our job, our security, our relationships, our money, everything. It's like these are all conditions of the world that in their highest expression are the props, are the templates, the things that we're working with for our realization, but we become identified with them. And then Uranus, which basically is the program, it's set. Um, it's surprising because we're so defined and conditioned by our expectations of what is. So this is where we can say there are certain dimensions in life experience that are already, Jeff Green has said something like 80% of the things that happen in life are actually, or 
Mm. I, I forgot the number. Maybe it's the other way around. Maybe it's 20%. There's, there's a certain percentage that he described as like choice. And there's a certain percentage, which is like the templates there. It's already established. Right. And you know, Ramana Maharshi says there are certain things in life. You can't do anything to prevent it. Do whatever you want to prevent. It'll do whatever to um, not make certain things. It'll still happen. And if it's not meant to happen, it won't happen. Like there are certain things you just can't control. It's, it's set. Because you have to, because we have to realize that that, and it's good that it's not like, oh, this is set. Like, oh, I'm stuck with this thing. It's like, if we, what I'm hearing you saying is, you know, we, we have to understand that this is, I'm, you know, the words that are coming to me now is this is a benevolent universe. This is mm-hmm. done for us, not to us, you know, with exactly, yeah. think about the person in the day that Uranus entered, you know, zero Taurus and the Kilauea volcanic eruption and a person who, you know, living in this multi-million dollar home is now looking at a pile of lava the next day, you know, it's like, whew. And, and yet, you know, you could look at that, like you said, your story about comfort and all like, this is a tragedy, this is wrong, but it wasn't, it was actually, you know, if we look at it in that broader picture, we begin to see, you know, like you were saying about the Mario brother, you know, the, um, the video game, you know, wait a minute, you know, we, we can step back and see this in a, in a more enlightened perspective that has yeah. us come out of suffering and evolve. Yes, yeah. It wants us to understand that the seeming movement of this world and of bodies and of relationships and of houses and forms, um, they don't define us. And when there are shocks or surprises, it's really just the, the push, the pull of reality. We can call it destiny from the point of view of our time-based identity, but it's just what we are wanting to break through. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes we'll have strong Uranian experiences that will just shake us away from the past suddenly or it can be like you were saying earlier like a sudden realization where it's like we've been thinking this way all the time and we realize oh my god that's just a thought the whole life that i've been living has been based on a thought i don't have to believe that thought or even think that's where we abide more as the way we see it yeah unless we're not identified with it right it's that getting that this identification everything and then we can just turn or broaden i often think of uranus as the bird's eye view so you climb the mountain you can see the matrix you can see the system right and there's more intelligence there's more brilliance there's there's always a higher intelligence with uranus and it's because there's only one intelligence which is the intelligence of creation we have to understand that like the projection of god's mind so to speak is the only thing that exists and so we think of higher intelligence with Uranus, it's because we're edging towards the only intelligence that is. That's why we have the idea of like technological innovations and in science with Uranus. Because what's happening really with any kind of invention is we're taking a step back from our conditioned way of thinking. We're apprehending a greater intelligence that kind of reflects the design of life itself. Every innovation, every technology or every evolutionary push within humanity is just moving closer to the essential intelligence of life. Mm. We think we need to draw metals from the earth and make computers and make internets. It's just a metaphor for the nature of consciousness. And we haven't yet understood that. That's why we think we have to commodify and take in order to innovate. The more we evolve our consciousness, the more we'll understand that it's actually always a matter of resonance with who we are or with what is and that it's a matter of resonating with 
I mean, this is, this is the truth of it. If there's only one intelligence, then all we really need to understand is awakening to our higher intelligence is about bringing ourselves into vibrational alignment with clear thinking. And, 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 the, and that's like the practice of yoga in the truest sense of that, which is a, a mind practice really comes in. And the practice of astrology, which is a form of yoga as well. It is a mind to see clearly beyond the projections and the stories and that we resonate with each other, that we're actually all resonating with the same intelligence and with all of creation. So what's happening right now as these plants, Uranus and the North Node are coming together, we're sensing a paradigm shift. Right? We're sensing something is wanting to open up. It can really be bringing up a strong sense of our conditioned reality, the, the status quo, what we're familiar with, what we are holding on to, the fear, the familiarity. Perhaps there's a sense of something wants to change. There can be a simultaneous sense of mm, a lot of new excitement, like the, the excitement of Uranus and the North Node can be, oh, this is exciting. This is new. This is relevant. New community, new ways of living, something that feels more resonant with who we are. Thus is a feeling of freedom and liberation. Mm. Think the analogy of, you know, you're, you're going to church in some sort of mainstream Christian community and, and you meet people that are into astrology and it's like, oh my God, I've always wanted to study astrology. This feels right. Like that feeling of coming into resonance with the people, places, and things that it's like, oh, I belong here. And what does that mean? I belong here right now in this way. Like the forms that manifest at the time that feel totally relevant. It's like, this is relevant. This is like the next thing, the next moment. <laughs> but we keep on growing and evolving and awakening. And, and then the next piece emerges. That's almost like the constant interface between Saturn and Uranus. What's new and relevant at some point becomes the next condition formed. And right. we need to also not become so defined by that. Right. But there can be a feeling of like, ah, I want to break out of what's familiar known. The issue with Taurus is there's so much momentum in Taurus that's created relative to comfort. Yes. And so we're, we're pushed right now to not define comfort the way we according have to the sensual gratifications or familiarity. Like where does, where does our financial security come from? Where does our self-value come from? We're really being asked to take a step back from that. And there are two things that I want to say. One, if we can think more in terms of cooperation, because Jeffrey Wolfreen beautifully teaches about Uranus, it corresponds to giving and sharing and including. Yes. Why? Because that's what life, all of the archetypes are a part of one ecosystem. Like you said, life is a friendly universe. It's here for our benefit. There's no such thing as a thought of God that is in contradiction or, or dissonance with another thought of God. Right. The like the universe is out to get me. It's like, right. no, that's false. And it's because the universe is designed to be in harmony with itself. If we right. really understand that, we'll really grasp that friendliness and inclusivity is natural to creation. That's why Uranus corresponds to the energy or Aquarius as well of friendship, inclusivity and community and belonging because the intelligence of life includes all of it. All of the archetypes coexist. And when we're really including one another, it's like you reach out to me, you have a sense of resonance and we get to share and 
have this conversation and I'm talking mostly, but you're interviewing me and asking these it's questions. Okay. Kind of you're just so out. wonderful. It's but fine. <laughs> this is a way of contributing to the, those that are following your work. And, you know, it's, there's, there's a natural resonances and, and, and it's joyful. There's friendship and there's, we're growing, we're learning and we're building community. And, and it's like, it's self-emergent. Like I never knew I would meet you. And those that are listening never knew they would have this, they would watch this video. And, it, it happens through a, a vibe of appreciation and inclusion and resonance and it just opens these more all these doors it's like a forest with ecosystems that the more species are there the more complex and inclusive it becomes and beautiful it becomes oh so that's so cool that's, that's I, love the one thing I want to say when we think about our security and our survival and what we need get out of the box of your own limited taurus isolation of sur survival and you know taurus is like the hermit but the issue can be you know, me and my world and my beautiful mug. Uranus right. wants you to break out of that and realize, like, what if you're living in a way where it's instead of like you and your mug and the money you earn to like buy really good teacups and good puer, like, what if it was more about forming a relationship with a community of people that are actually like growing tea leaves um, and, and harvesting earth Together. in beautiful ways in relation to like, communities that are taking care of the earth and making clay and teaching pottery and you get to teach astrology and they'll give you pottery lessons and like whoa how yeah. fun would that be so much better you know and and, and one of them has a cow There's, <laughs> and this is just one fun example that maybe isn't relevant for all of us but just imagine when we're thinking inclusively even if we're in a relationship with someone it, it's like the we space what's possible I really want to emphasize that. And then relative to the Scorpio South node, just recognizing that there's a lot of transmutational work. A lot of these core security issues are coming up. Can I trust? Am right. I secure? Can I let go? Can I let go? Right. And some of our deepest jadedness and distrust. Into the unknown. Because um, I'm yeah. like, I, I want to have my comfort zone is I got to have it all figured out. And it's like, and Uranus is saying, guess what? I got something better for you. Just, just trust exactly. me. Trust me on this one. Exactly. Your it, back. it wants us to meet the emotional content and feel it, but not get stuck there. We need to recognize that what's emerging right now is impersonal. I really want to emphasize the more we can abide as an observer and do the shadow work, like really meet the stuff that's arising mm. um, and find healthy ways of working with it, moving it out and realizing, okay, this is just what's wanting to be felt and released and understood right now. It's creating the space for a much more evolved, clear and exciting way of living. It, it, now, yeah. when Uranus comes to the North Node, again, let, let us not expect some kind of event. It's not going to be like that for all of us. It might be. For some of us, it'll show up here. Three ways it can show up. It can, it can show up as this intense pressure and anxiety. Perhaps elements of our life can be falling away or it can feel like we're just suppressing ourselves. And nothing's changing. We feel suppressed. And thus we'll feel the strong pressure to make a change. And this, this could feel very anxious. There can be a lot of anxiety. There can be a lot of fear in that, right? That's one. The other is events are changing and it feels really quick and rapid and we don't know how to keep up with it and we feel very insecure. Right. Um, and shocking to us, perhaps, right? Three, yeah. it's like it's sudden chaotic. epiphanies and realizations and we move on, right? And we make changes or we do things differently. In, in all cases, these are all just different ways and we might experience all of these in different moments. 
it it's really just an invitation for us. Let me just find the right words, really ground it. It's really an invitation to step back and let our own soul destiny lead the way. To ask, what wants to be? What is when I'm not trying? And there is a testament of faith and trust in life in this. Mm, what is true? What's are emerging on its own that I never had to make true, but it's always been what wants to be and the people and the places and the things and the circumstances that want to come together, they want to come together. This is a way of allowing the intelligence of life to unfold and mm -hmm. to just hold more of a curious witnessing of it. So cultivating an attitude of openness and curiosity and I can't emphasize enough during this time the importance of, you know, grounding in a in a in a in a space of, uh, for the mind to feel restful, and grounded and well and healthy. I'm I'm finding in my own life great importance of, of just returning to and remembering to like taking care of my body. Am I maintaining ground? Am I allowing for my nervous system, which is corresponded to your honest, to be relaxed? So. As Uranus passes Taurus, uh, passes the North Node, it's still going to be very close to the North Node. We're seeing the cycle begin to emerge, right? Over the next, so when was that date? It was July, in, July 31st. July 31st. So it's like the rest of this year, really, we can say a lot of new. It's like one of those years where come, come solstice time, more or less onward, it's hard for any of us to really know what we're going to be doing. I mean, that's always true, but like, especially now, because yeah. there's so much wanting to make it make itself known that perhaps is suppressed because of our own conditioning. Sure. There are those perhaps that are getting dreams or visions, or we can have dream symbols that can archetypally be pointing to. It's not always literal. Sometimes it is literal. Like I've had dreams that it's like, it happens. That's a Uranian thing because it, the script is written, the program's created. Right? We can have dreams like that, or it can just be the archetypes are showing themselves out. It doesn't necessarily mean such and such is going to happen, but we might be receiving it sort of from our higher mind, from right. the intelligence of self that is making its way to our individuated consciousness, which is Saturn, our conditioned self, sense of self. And so we might be being pointed to something we don't quite understand yet. Mm. Uranus isn't about understanding. Uranus, it, it just is. You're going to see like, the number sequences and the symbols, and it's like, what does that mean? You got to engage the Jupiter mind to interpret it. Right. Like, we don't understand it inherently. It's like, what does 333 mean? Why am I seeing 222 all the time? It just is. It's a part of the intelligence. Yeah, I love so, it. You know, we might be getting a lot of these symbols and imprints, and it might be really strong. And a lot of it might relate to things that we've gotten years ago. Yeah. And many of these things are beginning to emerge now just to notice where we have a story of fear around it, that is where there's an opportunity for healing. Yeah. I really can't emphasize that enough because the story of our future and our lives are not dreadful. We often make it that because we are freaked out. Right. But if we can see impersonally what is and what's wanting to, we can find more stability in the midst of change or stability in the midst of just whatever wants to arise and be felt. I love that. That is beautiful. Thank you so much. That's 
Awesome, awesome, awesome sauce. Well, I, I just wanna say for anyone who, um, as we just wrap this up, I hope you can come back and share with us more, maybe as we get closer to that, it'd be kind of cool yeah. to do a follow-up. But um, but I, I know that we wanting to honor your schedule as well. Um, Got a few minutes so we can so, you know, Yeah, um, where can people contact you? What is the name of your website? If they have questions or you know delving into all this beautiful fruit that you have shared with us in this yeah. Taurus eclipse season. arimoshat.com. A-R-I-M-O-S-H-E. Um, yeah, and again, I have A-R-I-M-O-S-H-E. And again, I, I suggest everyone check out my my school, my teachings page. There are a lot of free teachings on many of these topics and other Love courses it. and classes for those that want to study with me more deeply and just learn the paradigm of evolutionary astrology as I'm bringing it forward. Yeah, beautiful. Thank you. You 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 elucidate these concepts so well, Ari. I could just listen to you for hours. This is like so awesome. So I I do hope that you come back and share more with us because I think the world is really ready for this. It's it, like you said, it's all part of this unfoldment. And uh, yeah, it's just just awesome. So yes, thank you so much. Really, really great having you. It's really an honor to have someone with such heart and brilliance. Um, so um, I'm just very grateful. So thank you. Thank you thank so much. You, Liana. My honor. All right. So, um, all right, folks, that was uh, episode 161 and uh, more coming. And um, anyway, we are so grateful. And if you like, share, subscribe, it's always great to, uh, We, if you find this information useful, um, we're so grateful for you sharing it with others. So. Um, Anyway, all thanks and gratitude to all that is. This is Yerliana uh, Samsara, Star Sound Speaks, starsoundastrology.com. <clears throat> Thank you all for listening. Bye for now.